if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is that. Good morning. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are starting on AM 1420. The answer. It is a free for all Friday, the fifth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2021. One guest coming up today. Won't be until the very last half hour of the program when we talk with Christina Hagen about all of the news of the day and get her commentary. But between now and then, it's your commentary, uh, commentary that I'm interested in. 216-901-0945 or triple Triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either number will get you here. You just heard the message line. Use that primarily when we're not on the air. If we are on the air, get through at the phone numbers I just gave you, and I certainly look forward to hearing from you. A lot of different things that we are going to discuss today, but none of them shall be discussed until we pause for our pledge. If you are not driving right now, once again, I invite you to stand up and recite the Pledge of Allegiance with one of our children. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to a public for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I think it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash that said, teach your children well, right? And that's exactly what we need to do. And that's why I'm going to continue to feature children uh, from time to time on our Pledge of Allegiance. First of all, Actually, three reasons now. I just kind of, just kind of dawned on me. I always say two reasons I play that pledge every morning to start our show. Number one is because I want to express our support and allegiance to this great country, the greatest force for good in the history of humankind. Number two, to drive liberals nuts because they hate this country and think it's a racist wasteland. And number three now is because we do need to indoctrinate our children with patriotism and indoctrinate them with a belief in the greatness of this country. So uh, there you go, three reasons why, and I will continue to feature children. Okay, um, I want to start in a few different places, uh, and it's impossible really to kind of pick one. That's what I love about Free For All Friday. I don't really have to. I can kind of bebop around to the st- uh, top stories of the day. Um, eBay is next. Now, the next organization uh, or retailer, if you will, even though it's not necessarily retail stores, it's individual sellers, but you get the drift. Uh, eBay has canceled Dr. Seuss as well. What kind of a country do we live in in which Dr. Fauci continues to be the highest paid federal employee in America and Dr. Seuss gets canceled? 
I would swap those two out in a heartbeat. I would rather have long dead Theodore Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss, running our uh, COVID response than Dr. Fauci. I would rather cancel Dr. Fauci right now. I do not want him here or there. I don't want to listen to that little uh, man anywhere. Uh, online retailer eBay, however, is removing Seuss books from its website. They're no longer being published either by the Seuss Enterprises organization because somebody has decided, probably Joe Biden, because Joe Biden canceled Dr. Seuss on National Reading Day a couple of days ago. There have always been Dr. Seuss selections um, included in the National Reading Day to encourage children to read. Dr. Seuss has led more kids from illiteracy to literacy probably than anyone else in, in maybe history because his fun, whimsical, rhyming stories are so attractive to kids. Um, as a matter of fact, Kamala Harris and Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, all kinds of old tweets are surfacing of National Reading Day that included Dr. Seuss and them praising, yay, Dr. Seuss. Apparently... Those people of color that I just mentioned didn't realize that Dr. Seuss is a racist. How about that? They didn't know, apparently. But somebody knew, and or at least somebody decided. A spokesman for eBay told the Washington Examiner on Thursday it would no longer be allowing sellers to list books that have been deemed by Dr. Seuss Enterprise the company that preserves Dr. Seuss's legacy as containing racially insensitive imagery. We've been reading and watching, uh, reading those books and looking at those image, images for 50 years. Longer than that. They've been around longer, longer than I've been alive. Uh, but for decades and decades and decades. And nobody knew they were racist. You know, how about that? But apparently in woke 2021, um, what wasn't racist before is now. At eBay, we have a strict policy against hate and discrimination to ensure our platform remains a safe, trusted, and inclusive environment for our global community of buyers and sellers. We're currently sweeping our marketplace to remove these items. I'll tell you what, I feel better now, don't you? Don't you just feel the love and the harmony and the racial unity? The racial unity is just, I mean, it's its seeping from our pores now because six Dr. Seuss books are going to be gone. They're being swept from the marketplace. You can take some time to review all existing listings and provide education to impacted users. We're also monitoring the newly published list to be reviewed. Do you understand what you're hearing? eBay is joining the booksellers, obviously the book publishers, and others now, in scanning books for reasons to burn them. Right? In 2021, book burning is just covered by book banning. Digital book banning. Most people are getting their books online. So if you can't find them online, it's essentially the same thing as having them be burned. It's Fahrenheit 451. We're looking at everything that we can, every page and every image, trying to find something that offends somebody. And if it does, fire up your blowtorch. They're not a blowtorch. What is it they use in Fahrenheit 51? Oh, for goodness sakes. What are they called? Flamethrowers. Fire up your flamethrowers. And that's what they do. 
So right now it's digital book burning, and it's all because somebody decided that Dr. Seuss, after all of these years, wrote and drew racist things and pictures. Uh, one person, following the announcement uh, that Seuss Enterprises would stop publishing these, uh, owners of books began listing them on eBay and other places for up to tens of thousands of dollars, knowing they're going to be collector's items because they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be printed anymore, published anymore. Uh, one such person was a woman named Carol Carson from Arkansas who tried to sell a copy of "And to Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street" on her eBay store, only to have the listing taken down. A screenshot that she shared with the Washington Examiner shows the message that eBay sent in explaining the list the delisting. We had to remove your listing because it didn't follow our offensive material policy. Listings that promote or glorify hatred, violence, or discrimination aren't allowed. Now, I'm just going to be obvious here and say that even if you do find something perhaps marginally objectionable in a Dr. Seuss book, To describe a Dr. Seuss book as something that glorifies hatred, glorifies violence, or discrimination, aren't allowed, is is a bridge too far. I'm kind of curious. I wonder if I could go onto eBay right now and buy a, a copy of Mein Kampf. Adolf Hitler's autobiography, his own personal uh, story, one of the worst mass murders in the history of humanity. I, I wonder if I could find Mein Kampf on eBay. Somebody want to do some homework for me? I want you to do some homework for me. Do me a favor. If you've got a computer, if you've got a, uh, a, a phone, a smartphone in front of you right now, log on to eBay and tell me if you can buy Mein Kampf. Matter of fact, while you're at it, tell me if you can find the Communist Manifesto on eBay right now. As long as we're talking about hatred, violence, and discrimination, tell me if you can find the Communist Manifesto, if you're so inclined. Matter of fact, let me know if you can find any stories written by either current or former members of actual hate groups because I'm pretty sure Dr. Seuss is not one of them but I bet you can find stories of or about or by former Klansmen like I don't know Robert Byrd who was a part of a hate group before he became a part of a hated group called the United States Senate I'm kind of curious exactly where they draw the line totalitarian, human rights-violating, oppressive dictators, all good. Children's literary uh, author and beloved figure who has helped children to read for for decades and decades and decades, he's got to go. I'm just kind of curious to see what else is allowed on eBay and in some of these other services that have banned, that have canceled Dr. Seuss. And by the way, if we're going to go around canceling doctors in this country, I think I may have said it before, or maybe I just said it online, but how bad is it? And I think I did say it at the start of the show. How bad is it 
that Dr. Seuss is canceled and Dr. Fauci is still employed. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Do some homework for me and tell me what you find. I'll take your phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. I did ask you to do a little bit of homework for me uh, by letting me know what is on eBay, because I don't have time to look it up. But um, other than that, you can talk about whatever it is that you want. Here's Jim Jordan talking about, well, what we're talking about. This is the biggest threat to freedom our country faces. Because do you really have a functioning First Amendment when only one side's allowed to speak? Do you have free speech when the left determines what can be said? That's the situation we're in today. And, yeah, we can laugh about it when it's when it's, you know, Kermit the Frog and the Muppets, when it's Mr. Potato Head, when it's Dr. Seuss books. But Barry Weiss, former editor at The New York Times, said she said, if you engage in wrong speak, wrong think, you will face what she called the digital Thunderdome. They will come. They will come after you. They'll come after your family. They'll, They'll harass your employer. And this and this is making Americans afraid to speak out, afraid to exercise your most fundamental liberty, your right to speak and to speak in a political nature. This is what they are attacking. And it is it is as wrong as wrong can be. We have called. Yeah. And he's a thousand percent right. This is exactly um, what they are doing. They are trying to make anything and everything that we found to be normal before uh, offensive, because if we have to essentially erase the past, I, I don't want to sit here and do the old over the top. We are in 1984. Big brother. But honest to God, if you are a student of history and if you are a student of liter of literature, if you have read 1984, and in particular, if you had have read it sometime in the last you know five to ten years, as opposed to when you were in high school, maybe thirty years ago or forty years ago or whatever the case is, if you read it, you know what we're talking about. It really is like that. Jim Jordan in the commentary that he just uh, did there uh, at that uh, OAN interview used the words wrong think and wrong speak. And it's literally the type of language that is and was used in the book 1984 by George Orwell when we lost every uh, 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 liberty that, that we ever had. That the people of Eurasia were always at war with the people of Oceania, except for the fact that they weren't, when they weren't, rather. I mean, I, I, you can go on and on. You know, they change history on the on a... On a you know, on on a dime, and everyone is expected to just believe what you're being told right now. What you t- were told yesterday does not exist, and if you think it does, you're done. If you say it out loud with wrong speak, you're done. Oceania has always been at war with Eurasia. Uh, wait a minute, maybe it wasn't. I mean, they're trying to literally make you forget the past. They're trying to make you literally forget what it used to be like to be in this country as a part of a nuclear family, going to school in person, learning, literally learning, reading, writing, and arithmetic, the old three R's, meaning that education was about educating, not indoctrinating with liberal speak and liberal orthodoxy. All of the things that we, you, we grew up with, they are trying to make you forget forever. 
Because if you forget it, you can't pass it down to your children, and they will never have learned it. And if they have never learned it, it will be like it never existed. 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years from now, after we are long dead and buried, the memory of freedom in the United States and the memory of free speech in particular will not exist. Do you understand that? It won't just be gone. It will have never existed. You were never allowed to write books that people found to be offensive. And even if somebody did get away with writing one, you were never allowed to buy it and read it and absorb it. And certainly to share it and teach it to others. You can't do that. That was never allowed. We have always done it this way. We are on a trajectory that you cannot possibly understand. I can't understand. But the little bits and pieces of it that we can and that we do are terrifying. Canceling children's books. Erasing memories as if they never existed. They'll never be sold again. They'll never even be published again. The only thing left to do is collect the copies that exist and set flame to them. Bob is in uh, Cleveland. Bob, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, Bob. Oh, so yeah, I just wanted to put in my two cents. Uh, we were discussing this at work the other day, and someone brought up uh, Dr. Seuss, whatever his real name is, and had a history during World War II, wrote political cartoons that showed uh, Germans and Japanese in a, a cartoonish way. Right. And, but... Uh, I didn't want to argue in the workplace, but my thinking was, well, that's a bit of a non-sequitur or straw man argument. You can't say, you know, put that same lens towards a children's book. And you're also looking, again, another example of the left, looking at things from the past in a modern lens. Uh, wartime how the caricatures of the enemy, but never mind the enemy through caricatures of Americans that nowadays would be offensive. And, for example, I, I read an article that said that Dr. Seuss' book, there was a, one of his books shows an Asian person using chopsticks. Well, why would that offend Asians? They use chopsticks. Or uh, one of his books had a, a, a black character in a uh, grass spurt. Now, that might be expensive, but then you mentioned uh, the Dr. Seuss Association who owns the book. Yeah. My, my thinking is this organization owns these books. They print them. Can they not change some of the cartoons in future current printings? Well, but here's the thing, uh, Bob. Why would they? Because what you just said is true, uh, you know. Two, two nights ago, two nights ago, um, my wife and my son uh, ordered Chinese food. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like Chinese food, but they brought it home and they sat down, and I was just eating a sandwich or something from the fridge, and I said to them, "Why are you guys using forks?" I, 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 this is, I kid, kid you not. This is not made up because you just brought up chopsticks. But I literally said to them two nights ago. You can ask them if you can find them. I said, why are you guys using forks? Don't Chinese restaurants give you chopsticks? Because anytime I see television shows of people eating Chinese, they're always using chopsticks. 
And I said, oh, do people just keep a- chopsticks in their house, or do they kind of give them with the napkin when you order Chinese food? I literally don't know the answer. But I wondered why they didn't, didn't use chopsticks. Because chopsticks, it is not racist to say, chopsticks are used in Asian countries to eat Asian food. You are a thousand percent right. Why should they change that imagery uh, in in the books when when it's a li- oh. when it's a literal fact that that's what people who are uh, you know in in Asian countries eat and how they eat. That's that's a good point. Exactly. Uh, maybe uh, I, I'm I'm not arguing the whole thing, but I'm not arguing one hundred percent at all about the book banning. Yeah. But let's say the grass skirt picture could be changed in future books. But well, I, but again, uh, I would I would say the same thing that that you know yeah, there okay. are tri- there are tribal cultures. Um, in right. African countries, and, and, and I'm sure you realize, and Bob, thanks for the phone call, certainly historically, and I believe still today. I mean, there are, there are Bushmen, uh, you know, in, in, like I said, in, in, in certain countries where tribal cultures exist to this very day, where they, 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 that is their general attire. They're, they do live in, you know, grass huts and mud huts and things of this nature in various places around the world today. I mean, to acknowledge something that something exists is not necessarily to be making fun of it. I didn't tell my wife and my son they should be eating uh, using chopsticks when they're eating their Chinese food because I wanted them to be making fun of Chinese people. I just said chopsticks go with Chinese food, and that's in one of the Dr. Seuss books that's gotten canceled because it shows an Asian character using chopsticks. Are you kidding me? I don't even know which book that is, by the way. I'm just going and taking Bob at his word on it, but for goodness sakes. All right, more coming up. Uh, It's a free-for-all Friday. Whatever you want to talk about, hit me up now on AM 1420, The Answer. Social justice warriors, if you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. I'm Jim from West Park, and I'm in for Pompeo. Mike Pompeo, I I, I like a little bit more than Tom Cotton. Uh, Ted Cruz could be in there too, uh, but if Pompeo's got probably the most uh, um, uh, knowledge and and uh, resource and and that uh, world. World, and that's what we're going to have to deal with is the rest of the world. Uh, the, the, the liberals, well, we can beat them down, but uh, the world is what we have to worry about right now. So, Pompeo, I would say Pompeo. That was on our authority message line uh, after we talked a couple of days ago about uh, whether or not Donald Trump will and should be the nominee again in 2024 or whether it's time for a fresh face, but still carrying the America First MAGA banner. And uh, Mike Pompeo said a couple of days ago he is not ruling out a run for the White House in 2024. I love Mike Pompeo. I do. I love all three of the people that Jim mentioned there. I love Tom Cotton, and I love Ted Cruz, too. I also love Ron DeSantis. I love Christy Noem. Obviously, only one of them can be the nominee. There may be a combination, though, in terms of a ticket. But um, but I love all of the above. I, I don't know that I could pick one right now. And certainly, I would love the opportunity for President Trump to lead again. Um, but as long as they are all running from the same 
uh, you know, playbook or playing, uh, you know, from the same playbook, and and that is America first, and that is advancing the same policies that President Trump put forth in uh, his uh, four years, then I don't think we can go wrong, at least in terms of having the right person. Now, whether we can win or not, that's a question that's up in the air because of, you know, the uh, uh, For the People Act that they just passed on a strict party line vote, which is a voter fraud act, an opportunity to uh, commit even more voter fraud than they committed this time around. And that's all it would do is guarantee exactly that. But, Jim, I'm with you on Mike Pompeo. I like, he was a phenomenal Secretary of State. I really, truly loved everything that he did. Every time he took the microphone, every time he talked about whatever was going on around the world, he knew it forwards, backwards, upside down. Uh, he knew it like the back of his hand. And uh, I would absolutely feel comfortable with a guy like Mike Pompeo in charge. Thank you for that. Uh, I got tons of messages here. We'll play them as we go. And of course, you can get me live at 216-901-0945. We'll go to uh, CC now in Akron on a free for all Friday. Hi, CC. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I wanted to just uh, talk, continue that about the freedom of speech. Um, it's not just freedom of speech. It's, it's freedom of our bodies right now. Um, I mean, whatever happened to personal choice, like even, okay, you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. Maybe I don't want to wear a mask. Um, this vaccine, them forcing, you know, this is down the pike. You can see it happening. You won't be able to travel. You won't be able to do certain things. Shaming if you don't feel like you want to get this experimental vaccination and want to wait until maybe a year or two down the pike to see what the real side effects might be from it. So it's not just, you know, there's just all choices, you know, just personal freedom. Why can't we make the decision to pick up that Dr. Seuss book and read it or not? Well, you know, you're you're right uh, all the way down the line. It's not just freedom of speech, although you can probably tie all of the other tenets in the First Amendment to this, uh, to what you're saying right now, freedom of our choice for our bodies, freedom of our own medical decisions, and so forth. Uh, and you're right. And freedom of what we read to our children. That's the answer to your question, though, when you say, why can't we make the choice of what we want to read? And the left will say, the cancel culture will say, well, but you're going to read that to your children, and you're going to indoctrinate them with things that aren't true and with things that are stereotypical and things that can harm. Meanwhile, they have children reading the gay BCs. They have children reading that it's okay for a boy who is biologically and anatomically a boy to say, no, but I'm really a girl, and let me start taking hormone blockers to prove it. Um, you know, that's the, the real issue here is they don't want you getting in the way of their indoctrinating of our youth. And if you show them that's things in books that you, you know, that they find to be offensive, uh, that means you're going to actually have a say in how they think, and that's not what they want. Well, this is where, and I want to make another point after I make this one, if you don't mind. Um, this is where the political correctness years ago started, right? And now it has gotten so out of hand. So these things start little, and they just get way out of hand, and that's why that's we're here where we are the slippery slope we talk about all the time. We talk yeah. about slippery slope, yep. Yep. What, and what speaking of, elect, speak of elections, I would ask you today, please run for governor of the state of Ohio. You want who to run for governor? You, Bob. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious. No, uh, I'm look, serious. I, <laughs> that's, no, I'm very serious. Why not? Well, uh, because, uh, you know, two things, actually. Number one is I wouldn't want it. Um, I absolutely would not want it. Uh, what, what, this is one of the things I will say about uh, politicians and elected officials. 
I do give them credit for their courage because when you run for office, you turn your family's lives upside down and inside out because you are a target. If you think they're going for somebody, you know, on uh, for past tweets or, or, or stories of past transgressions or whatever, they dig inside your life, your children's life, your, your wife's life, your, your husband's life, or whatever the case might be. Um, it's, it's an act of courage to quote unquote serve because you are literally putting your, your family in jeopardy. So, and I give them credit. Even the ones I don't like, I give them credit for running in that regard. I would never do that to my family. I think running for office, particularly a high office, is just a, it's a death knell for a family. Uh, and then the second reason is you don't win offices like that without the strong support of the political machines that I decry on the air every day. I have been ripping the Ohio Republican Party, the ORP, and its leadership daily for a very, very long time. Um, if I were to run, it would be as a Republican, and I would need their support. I would not have it, and quite frankly, considering well, the way they operate, I would not want it. And so automatically, that's it's not necessarily true, though, because that's not necessarily true, because look at Trump. So that's not necessarily true. Well, you I know, don't have, I but, yeah, but, but Trump was worth ten to twenty billion. Yeah, but he was worth ten to twenty billion dollars when he when he ran, and uh, so he funded his own campaign. He didn't need those political machines. I would need the political fundraising machines uh, of the ORP, and I and because I, I don't have ten to twenty million dollars uh, or billion dollars like he did. So that's the difference. You know, if you if you are somebody like him and you have an unlimited uh, you know resource access to, to to funds and resources, you can pull that off without needing you know the RNC and even he needed the rnc to a degree uh but for a guy like you know regular person uh you can't do it without the fundraising machine you can't get your message out there at all the places it needs to be you can't combat the attacks that you're going to get that i just described uh, against you and your family you can't respond to those without massive massive uh deep uh, uh pockets of money and uh got like, got well, like we need we need someone good here we need someone good here and then you know i love jim jordan however we need him i'd like to see him take um the Senate seat, but um, I mean, you know, we need him where he's at right now. <laughs> I, you know, I talked to him right after Portman made his announcement. Maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. Um, about that because he, you know, was said to be considering it, and he very quickly put that idea down. And the reason why, and I think there's some sense to this, uh, and you can respond yourself, Cece. He said, if I go over to the Senate, you know, he's a quote unquote freshman senator. He's not in a position of power or authority in any way like he can be if he stays in the House and we win the House back. Because right now he's the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee. If we win the House back, he ascends to chair of the Judiciary Committee. And as chairman of the Judiciary, he can then start holding people accountable for all of the things that we have seen, all of the things that were done to President Trump, uh, all of the garbage by Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden's families, all, family, all of the things that the Judiciary should be investigating but are not, he would then be in a position to enact that, you know, those those probes. And uh, and I think he makes a great point. He could do a lot more for this country in the as, as the uh, chairman of the judiciary in the house than as a freshman senator well i could see that and i could see that i mean i do understand that but he, he's so good um and i would vote for him for president actually i would too Jordan. i would too yeah he's I, amazing I, I really i really do i really would i don't know that he would necessarily have the uh and thank you cc i got to get some other people on the air i don't know that he would necessarily have the widespread support of the establishment that it may take again because he like like me you know jim jordan not to say we're identical but i mean he doesn't have donald trump's money either 
and he is not an establishment guy. He is a Freedom Caucus guy. He is a conservative MAGA America First guy, and he would run into the same swampy Republican creatures that, that Donald Trump ran into. The only difference is, again, Donald Trump had the resources to work his way out of that. Uh, uh, Jim Jordan would not have that. Great conversation. I appreciate it, CC. Let me go next to Diane in Bay Village. Hi, Diane. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, first of all, I wanted to say about Hugh Hewitt, I don't know who he was talking to on Monday, but they said something uh, a little bit disparaging about Biden. And Hugh Hewitt actually said, nope, I don't think we should say anything disparaging about Joe for six months while he's in that job. First of all, he's in the Senate for 48 years. He was in and out of the White House for eight years. Now he's the president, and he's been signing bogus executive orders. He needs to be held accountable. I don't know where Hugh's coming from on that line of thinking. Maybe a little bit of the progressiveness is coming out in him. And second of all, these job numbers, 379,000 jobs for the month of uh, February. Are you kidding me? Those are fake numbers. Keystone shut down. All the ancillary jobs that fed into that, the states have their... Uh, uh, restaurants and all the other companies in there, lockdown. Who who can look at these numbers and say, yeah, this is fake, and then they revise the other numbers upwards? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I don't uh... know. Yeah, I, 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 I have no idea where those numbers come from either. I do not agree uh, with them. I do not believe them for one second because of what you just said. I mean, literally, the moment you know, with the first stroke of the pen on January 20th, uh, you know, he, he, he cost around right. 11,000 Keystone Pipeline workers their jobs. Then when he said we are going to uh, issue a ban on new exploration for natural gas and oil on federal lands, that cost, exactly. that cost I can't even tell you how many tens of thousands of jobs. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. It is bogus. To your question, Diane, on Hugh, I would just say this, and I thank you for the phone call. Hugh describes himself on the air as being a center-right Republican. He is not a far-right um you know, conservative in the vein of, uh, uh, you know, a Peter Kirstenau, a Bob France, you know, a Mike Pompeo, a Jim Jordan and others. He is a center-right guy. And as a center-right guy, he is right almost all of the time, but not all of the time. And I think Hugh is also just, and this is just my opinion, and I would not say anything on the air about him that I would not say to his face when I talk to him, and I do. Um, you know, Hugh is a guy who really wants the best for this country, regardless of circumstances. And in his mind, just destroying Biden in the first six months is going to serve to destroy the presidency and thus the country and our chances to to succeed. So he doesn't want Biden to, you know, uh, to fail if it means that the country is going to fail. It reminds me a little bit of Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, when Barack Obama was elected. If you recall, Rush Limbaugh started a firestorm of controversy by saying, I hope he fails. And people said, oh, what? What is wrong with this guy? He hates his country. How can you root for the president of the United States to fail? I mean, set aside the fact that they called him a racist for it because Barack Obama was the first black president. But how could you say that about any president you want him to fail? And Rush was right to say he wanted him to fail. I went on the radio at the time and agreed with him. And the, the, the reason I agreed with him in the way that I described it is, is because I believed that the campaign promises that Barack Obama ran on in 2008, if he enacts them, would destroy this country. 
So I want him to fail at enacting those terrible, terrible policies, including Obamacare, right off the rip. Okay? I wanted him to fail. That's what Rush Limbaugh said. So it doesn't mean I want my country to fail because I want the president to fail at these things. I want him to succeed at job creation. I want him to succeed at, um, uh, you know, border security. I want him to succeed at, you know, all of the things that we care about and, you know, that we have differences on politically. I want him to succeed at those things that I agree with. I want him to fail at the things I disagree with. Well, I, I liken that to what he was saying here. He doesn't want Joe Biden to fail if it means the country is going to fail. Does that mean he wants Joe Biden to cancel the Keystone Pipeline? No. Does that mean he wants Joe Biden to lead, leave the uh, border wide open to create this massive crisis we have down there? No. But he doesn't want to just let's attack, 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 and put Biden on the defensive right from the start if he thinks it's going to harm the country. And I, that's the best example or explanation I think I can give. Hugh Hewitt loves this country. Hugh Hewitt is center-right, and like I said, as such, he is right most of the time, meaning on the right. Correctness, he's right most of the time, too. But he's on the right side most of the time, just not every single time. And while most of us on the right want to destroy Joe Biden, uh, he doesn't want to do that because he thinks it's bad for the country. And I respect it. I hope that helps. That's what I've got. I would say that to Hugh Hewitt if he was on the phone line with me right now. All right, 952, right back after this. Something about you, girl, that makes me sweat. I completely agree with Tom Z. I've been telling my friends for years, we need a third party, and I like his idea better. We just need a patriot party. We need Donald Trump to lead a party because everybody is afraid to give to the Republican Party. We do not trust them anymore. So Donald Trump would be my first choice, and Ron DeSantis and Christy Noem together would be awesome. Thank you so much. I did a little survey earlier this week after CPAC and after President Trump's speech asking, do you agree that Donald Trump, the straw poll at CPAC said Donald Trump should be the nominee in 2024? And next was Ron DeSantis and next was Christy Noem. So I had a little straw poll of my own. And uh, some people called and left messages, <laughs> excuse me, like that one, about, uh, about the straw poll and then also about whether or not Donald Trump should even run as a Republican or if he should start his own party. Tom Zawistowski, our good friend from uh, the Way the People Convention, came on and said there needs to be a third party. I'm going to say this. I, I think I disagree. I listened to all of the arguments. Tom made a very strong one. Uh, he argued even against the, you know, the rebuttal of, hey, it's going to split the votes. Uh, he, he said there's a way to get around that and it won't. Um, I think after listening to it all, I still don't think it would be wise for Donald Trump to leave the Republican Party and to try to start that third party. But I will tell you this. It is not as open and shut as it may appear. I had people messaging me after that show saying third party is the dumbest idea ever. Uh, ever. No third party candidate has ever uh, been able to get anything done to be able to win any election. And all it does is cost somebody else the election. And people pointed out, you know, uh, uh, Ron Paul's run. People point out, um, uh, uh, what's his name, Ross Perot's run. I mean, Ron Paul ran as a Republican, too. But, I mean, you know, as a libertarian, it's kind of a third party. So Ralph Nader, you know, people point out these things. And 
The one thing that I will say, the one argument that can't be rebutted on Tom Z's side and those who want a third party, a Trump party, a Patriot party to break away from the swamp of Republicans is that none of those other individuals who ever tried to run for president under a third party flag started out with 74 million voters. Right? That's the difference. None of them ever started out with 74 million people who already voted for them for president and would likely follow them to do so again. And that's what makes it intriguing. Now, it's not intriguing in so far as, hey, let's see what happens, because Trump made it clear at CPAC, nope, not doing it. I'm not going to start a third party. It will split the vote. There will be Republicans uh, who stay with the Republican Party rather than following me over to a third party, and all it would do is guarantee the Democrats to win the election. And I think he's right. But I will say this, it's not as cut and dried or open and shut as some people believe, because Donald Trump has a popularity even now after losing, quote-unquote losing, his bid for re-election. He still has a base that is unlike any base any third-party candidate has ever had in the past. So I'm going to go ahead and say, probably not uh, the third-party idea, but I do support and agree with people who say he should run again, because he is still that well-liked and that popular, and he still has the best ideas for the country. So chew on that, and if you want to weigh in on that, again, it's a free-for-all Friday. All topics are on the table. You decide them, and we'll take uh, more of those phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer.